Welcome back to a special episode of Rhythms of Grace. We are sort of in between seasons a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But we had some uh, we had some listener questions that felt vital. Yeah. <laughs> so we recorded our last episode of season four. And we said that, and then I got a text from somebody saying, bummed my question didn't make the pod, mm. but I was curious if you'd be willing to share your thoughts with me anyway. Okay. So I texted him back and said, ah, forgot about it. We'll do an extra episode. Here we go. So this is a bonus round. That's right. This is the bonus track. And I found, uh, and I told him that I found a couple other questions that got lost in the stack, and so we're calling it the, the lost files. Nice. You know, so... Uh, he had a couple, so he texted way back early, uh, a couple months ago and we just never got to it, but he had a couple questions. One is, um, he said on the podcast, you should talk about Elisha being called baldy by some boys and how he curses them and they get mauled by a couple <laughs> bears. Yes. And so he didn't really ask a question, but the question is, yeah, like what? What? What's like up what with the that? heck's going? On? What's up with that? That is indeed yeah. the question yeah. with that story. Now, if you don't know the story, it's found in. Uh, let me let me find it here. Se- uh, oops, Second Kings. Uh, here we go. Uh, Second Kings chapter two, and it says, Elisha went up to Bethel, where he was going up on the way. Some boys came out of the city. Uh, well, let me. You know what? Let me read a different version. Um, sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm just, for those of you that, for the listeners that don't know, this story is near and dear to my heart because I am bald. Mm. So don't let your children make fun of me. I'm going to try to call down bears. This is justification for people who are uh, follically challenged to to throw down curses against those who persecute them. So here's a story. Um, Oh, oh, dang it. This this was his second question. Uh, Chapter two. Here we go. Um, so, uh, this is Elijah while he was going up on the way, uh, what in the, hold on. What version are you looking for? Uh, um, okay. Um, this is the NIV second Kings chapter two, verse 23. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel as he was walking along the way. Some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy. They said, Cuts deep. Get out of here, Baldy. <laughs> they said again. He turned around, looked at them, and called out a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Man. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Car- Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. <laughs> so, uh, this is a wow. Where do we go with this? Yeah. So the question is like, uh, this, this just seems like a really horrible story first, because Elisha is a prophet of God. And the question is like, should somebody as like holy, if you will, as Elisha, I mean, shouldn't he have been able to control his anger? Like what's up? And secondly, mm-hmm. like these boys are like young and innocent and like, you know, kids say the darnest thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, Hey, Baldy, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then finally, like it almost seems like God supernaturally brings out these bears out of nowhere as mm. a result of Elisha calling down a curse, and then mauls these kids. Mm. So, so I just did a quick Google search, but mm-hmm. my Google search was this: Are there bears in the Middle East? 
Mm. And just in case you're curious, historically, the brown bear was in the Middle East. It's not in Israel anymore, but it used to be. Huh. So at least historically checks out <laughs> they weren't uh, they weren't teleported from somewhere else there were bears yeah and like most of what we've talked about through season four and even season three going through new testament and old testament understanding context and, and this is the challenge of translation especially halfway around the world and, and millennia later Okay. Where, um, and, and people, I think people, uh, you know, it's interesting because at a membership class, we were just talking about this too recently. And I think people just like, it's hard to wrap your head around. Like if, if you're not bilingual okay, to really like how some words are just so hard to translate, you know, okay. like, and especially like, um, if you know people who where English isn't their first language, uh, what happens when they get really upset and want to curse? <laughs> they mm. curse in their original language. Yeah. And sometimes it's even like, sometimes the curse word doesn't even have necessarily an English uh, equivalent. Right. And so, you know, whether you, you know, like in English, we talk about love. I love Jesus. I love pizza. I, I love, you know, but, but in Greek, there's all these different words mm-hmm. and it's so nuanced. And so sometimes that gets lost in the translation. And this is one of those cases where, again, the, this uh, season four was no easy answers. Yeah. And these aren't going to solve every answer. Right. But again, like here, I think just some things to consider. First of all, uh, like the there's two words in Hebrew for the word boy. Um, I, I won't say them, but but they're used in it, both these words are used in this passage, and uh, the word if you look at uh, like re- uh, references that uh, seminarians and scholars use, uh, there's a Hebrew lexicon called Brown Driver and Briggs, which is like the standard lexicon that you use for word studies. These aren't like, the, the image you get is like these are, when you first read this, that these are like elementary, middle school kids. Yeah, children. <laughs> Little kids who yeah. are just like, hey, Baldy. No, but but these are like, so uh, jo- jo- the story of Joseph, when he's uh, thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, slavery uh, like the word the word boy is used even for some of his brothers. Mm. So it's it can be boy, okay. but it's also like older adolescent. Right, right. Um, and so it's not unreasonable to to assume that. And again, you you read there were forty two of them. Well, forty two of them. This is what struck me. Forty two of them got mauled, yeah. which means there were more. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 more than just like a couple. Yeah. It becomes sort of like a mob of right, sorts. It, right. And this is the whole point, right? When you first read it, you just think, um, oh, there were just some middle schoolers like walking through the woods. Hey, Baldy. Yeah. Like groups of three or four, <laughs> like you see. And they were like, yeah. Yeah, hey, no. Yeah. And this, and like you like, yeah. And if you imagine this is a, a large group of older teenagers, uh, like a gang. And, um, in the, in the, um, uh, Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, uh, there, there's uh, and this is this is all throughout Scripture. Sometimes you know they have parts that are added or or whatever or because through manuscript transcriptions over the centuries, uh, there is a line about how some of the boys were throwing stones mm. at Elisha. Now whether that's true or not, but the whole point is like this is a whole gang of folks, right. and um, it, it's a pack of teens, and not only that, but like in t- today in in America, we would say, "Oh, you know, six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me," mm-hmm. which is actually not true. Right? Uh, sticks and stones actually those pains go away. Yeah. Names, you know, stick. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, now we say that here in in the Western culture, we don't understand that in in the middle in the Eastern culture and Middle Eastern culture, like an insult mm. is like you would duel to the death. Mm. You dis- disrespect disrespected my honor by insulting me, and therefore we will duel to the death. Mm. Like we can't even imagine that. Yeah. Like what? Like what gives? Right. But that's where your name and, and insulting. <clears throat> And even today, like you insult somebody in the Middle East, and I, I mean, they'll declare a mini mm. holy war against you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's just another thing to understand. And because we read this and go like, okay, God is kind of overreacting here. Elisha's overreacting. I think the last thing to, to maybe just to give context here is when you look at throughout the book of Second Kings, uh, Elisha is a prophet. And even in some of the previous chapter, he, he's done, he, he's like healing the sick. He's uh, f- feeding the hungry. He, he purifies poisoned water. Uh, he even raises the dead and prevents a war. I mean, this guy is like, like a, uh, uh, like a, like a, uh, a miracle worker, yeah. a, a prophet. And so then this happens and you go like, so we can't just see this incident in isolation. Mm. And I think, I think part of what also happens is, um, uh, we also have to remember that it, um, the, the the bear came out and mauled, uh, not killed, mm. um, because and again maybe that's just you know um, splitting hairs. But it's important because uh, again you think, man, the the bear just came and killed forty two of them. Actually, there's a story right after this where uh, a couple lines and, and it says not only mauls them but kills people, mm. um, and so you know so. The, the main point of this story, though, is not that God picks on little children. Right, right. The point is that God, and here, God is protecting the life of a prophet mm-hmm. that he's using yeah. for the work that he wants to accomplish in Israel. Yeah. Um, and, and Elisha had really strong reason to be worried about his life. Yeah. I'm, so this is less uh, like, hey, pick on little children as much as Elisha didn't start this fight, but acting in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Now, does that explain everything? Right. No. It doesn't. It, no. Yeah. Right? And again, we acknowledge that. But, but again, when you understand that, right, it, it's, it's helpful to understand. And, and this is where we talked about this throughout this, this season. Like, why does it seem like God uh, uses violence? Mm-hmm especially you know and we and we won't go through that all again but sometimes um we have to understand a number of things uh the the legal system back then was very different for the nation of israel than it is today so for example um we we can't assume that their their system was similar to ours with like this overly complicated matrix of like prisons and lawyers and appeals and trials and you know local state and federal government mm-hmm. justice back then and, and we're we're veering away a little bit uh, from this story but we are, this is a uh, addressing another question that came in that was very similar but um uh, they like especially the nation of Israel. Uh, they were nomadic for uh, the beginning years of their um, formation as a nation, and they didn't. They they there was no practical way for them to, for somebody to to incarcerate. Serve prison. Yeah, yeah, incarcerate someone. And so back then, in a theocracy, uh, in a new nation, justice had to be simple, swift, and straightforward. Yeah. 
where today it's almost the other way around. It's overly complicated. I mean, so in the United States, that uh, here's a, a quick story. I remember when Saddam Hussein was caught and tried, and he was and he was um, he was to be hung. Mm-hmm. And then, like a couple days later, they hung him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like our our sort of our American justice system moves very slowly. Yeah. So sometimes someone being sentenced to death is sort of like, well, I mean, we're years away from that ever being. And I remember it was like two or three days. Yeah. And so again, there there still is sort of echoes of that where yeah. the justice moves a lot quicker. Yeah. That or it's more like the United States justice moves really slowly. Some might it, say. Yeah, it, it does. And so when you look at well, and those of you who are English majors listening, I know it's hanged. But oh no, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, um, but in the legal system in Israel too, like murder was a capital offense, like it is today. But here's the other thing: so was rape and kidnapping. Mm. Like that is not necessarily the case here. But again, because uh, you had to execute justice swiftly, and, and they had their own system of innocence and and all that. But but um, you know and. I, I don't know that we would even say that uh, our justice system is all that fair and equitable. Yeah, you know, uh, guilty pe- uh, uh, guilty people go off all the time. Innocent people get executed. Um, poor or, or non-whites get you know more so than whites. You know, so um, and so the, the thing that's happening at a larger level is when when it seems like uh, violence is being used, it's actually and this is this is hard to swallow, I think, especially in this day and age. It's actually trying to accomplish a greater peace. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of what we can look because when I think of this story again, for whatever reason, the picture in my mind is that like a couple six year olds came out <laughs> yeah. and were making fun of uh, Elisha, and bears came and like attacked them, right? Yeah. But in reality, I think someone in that culture would say, "Wait a minute!" So you have a, you had a you had essentially a mob of forty or fifty, let's say, maybe even more than that teenagers that were um like potentially throwing stones but at the very least sort of coming en masse against this one person Mm -hmm. who's a prophet he curses them in the name of god and bears come and (laughs) maul them people would actually kind of be like oh yeah that checks out yeah yeah yeah, that that makes sense you know basically like that that was a they their offense was much greater Mm -hmm. than we than we perhaps initially read it. And the justice was a lot more appropriate than we perhaps initially read it based on a cultural understanding of where that story takes place. Yeah. And, you know, to use a a little bit more modern example of, let's say, because I I think sometimes people get stuck and and, and it's reasonable. Like, why why would you ever use violence to to gain peace? Mm. So um, one of my... Heroes of the Faith, and, and I love reading his books. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. um, at, at a point when he became, when he came to Christ, he he was deeply, deeply convicted about pacifism, because and, and the reason was very, very theological. He he's like when two nations go to war, then you are asking one side where the uh, the body of Christ, because there will be Christians in the military. Yeah. To, to kill mm. others in the body of Christ on the other side. And so he was like, not just like both humanely, but also theologically very much against violence. Okay. But at one, at some point he actually um, became part of a conspiracy to assassinate Hitler. 
wow. directly. Wow. And he, you know, and, and he wrestled with this. I'm sure. But there was a deep sense of like, yes, in order to prevent evil from spreading. Mm. And that assassination plot failed, obviously. But um, like even somebody like Bonhoeffer, who I would say would, help, would have held to pacifism, I think, more truly and deeply than most pacifists today. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't theoretical for him. No. I mean, he was in the middle of a war. Yeah. So And for somebody who like him when he he was actually training for in seminary in the United States and then when his nation went to war, he he like his friends were like you you can't go back to Germany. And he said, "No. How how can I not go and be with like God's people in my home country and be with them in the middle of this war?" And not be a part of rebuilding um, the church and the nation if I'm just kind of hiding away. So, like, he's not somebody where this is just theoretical. He's running right into the midst of the battle. And in the midst of it, even in the strong sense of, like, this conviction of peace, like, there again, does that help? Does that explain everything? No. No. But... Just to help us round out some understandings. Yeah, and we've done that for this entire season, which is like there's just so much more nuance that is helpful to keep in mind, you know, on all of these stories. And and this one is no different. Yeah, I I mean, and one last thing about this whole theme, which is, you know, the theme that's been coming back over and over again, even as we've talked about many different themes, seems to be about about violence and and about the sexism question. But but, uh, the, the other question was, you know, how does Jesus talk about in the Sermon on the Mount um, turning the other cheek, and then yet later on he says he, he came not to bring peace but the sword. Yeah. Like, which one did Jesus change his mind on that? Right. And, and this kind of goes, this transitions well right even into um, into the the story about Bonhoeffer. And, and this was a big reason why Bonhoeffer was a, a pacifist. He said, you know, he took that, that command of turning the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he held it very deeply. And I think for us to understand that, um, well, any any initial thoughts from you about that? Um, I mean, again, I think it's, I think there's, uh, for me, part of the nuance is like, well, it's at some points peace is necessary and at some points, uh, it's like, it's not, I think, I think in terms of a parent or as a husband, you think about protecting the people you love, uh, from danger or, you know, it's so I, for me, there's like, well, it's not just one situation. There's multiple situations across. Yep. Yeah, my life to think about. Yeah, and we've talked about this. I think um, I, I can't remember some of what we talked about in our episodes, but like even though some people would say, "Well, you know, when Jesus has an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth," right? Like, yeah, I, I, that that was actually really progressive back then mm-hmm. because it was trying to limit. Because what happens like when violence is done, it, you don't you don't repay that equivalent right right you tend to escalate yep. you you punch me in the shoulder i punch you in the face yep. I, you punch i punch you violence in the face. escalates <laughs> absolutely hatfields and mccoys i mean yeah. it all it all like builds and grows yeah and, and so there's there's a and so there's a reason for that and so yeah and um you know let's just say this too though i mean jesus a uh, god jesus they the they want they they their desire is for peace it is not violence for violence sake. It, it is not um, destruction for its own sake. It, um, you know, it, it, there's a sense of, um, uh, and, and there's a tension walking in that. And especially this part about bringing the sword. It's, it's not so much that Jesus was wielding a sword. Yeah. I mean, he tells Peter, hey, Peter, put away your sword. Right. right? I, I could come right. call all these angels and, and destroy yeah. these people. 
So, but what 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 do you think that was in reference to? Then? So, so I mean, G- G- and Jesus talks a lot about this throughout his the Gospels. He he like he he talks about even bringing division. Mm. I, I will divide yeah. father uh, and yep. son. Yeah. You know, it's not so much like, hey, I'm going to hate my father now, but faith in Christ mm. will cause conflict in families, division, and he's saying your loyalty and dev- devotion to to me has to be greater. Yeah. And I want to be careful here because it has to be greater than than for your parents or your family, but that not at the cost of disrespect. Yeah. Again, man, I because again the nuance of all of this just for me keeps coming up. I wish that there was a really straightforward way to say it because it's like, well, I mean, there are some people that really take to heart the the sort of approval of certain types of violence in the Bible, and they sort of carry that as like, well, you know, isn't there a verse about like the king, <laughs> like the vi- the kingdom of God, like yeah, the violent, take it by force or whatever? Yeah. There's people that really take that very, very literally right. and seriously, yeah. and um, so again, just trying to, to balance that with Jesus being called the Prince of Peace and yeah. turning the other. T- I mean, there's like there's these two. It feels like sort of extreme sides that in some way. We're trying to bridge. Yeah. Yeah. One last one. And this is actually the same guy who was like, oh, I'm bummed that you didn't t- take my question. Um, but and this is a little bit, I mean, it's a different kind of question. But he says, actually, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Balaam, the story of Balaam. A- as I read it, God tells Balaam that uh, basically, so do you, do you know, can you recall this story? Yeah, this is the one with the talking donkey. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the, uh, yeah. the uh, So Balaam is this, uh, like, prophet who is in it for the money yeah he's like a prophet for hire kind yeah of. And, yeah and he uh somebody paid like a nation that's uh not israel like so so uh, an enemy nation hires balaam to prophesy against israel he's like a spiritual mercenary yeah he of. is yeah a- and so he goes and instead of uh cursing them like he actually blesses israel and he's mm-hmm. like what, what's going on like i meant to curse them and a blessing came out instead. Yeah, and, and then, well, and this is the, his question. In Numbers 22, uh, tw- verses 21 and 22, um, God tells Balaam that he can go uh, with uh, uh, Balak. It, it's, uh, it's a kind of a confusing story, uh, but to go with them. But then in the next verse, his anger is kindled against Balaam because he went with them. So God, like, said you can go, and yeah. then when he goes, God's angry. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's kind of like, what's up with that? And so th- let me let me find that passage again here. While you're looking, I just thought of one other thing that I wanted to mention about peace and violence, yeah, yeah. which is which is this concept that I think um, we often find when we're talking about faith, which is that that two things. It's a paradox, right? Faith is always a paradox, and there are yeah. often two things that are true at the same time. Yes. When you think about the the person, like the person of Jesus, who is described as being fully God and fully man. Those two things shouldn't really be able to like coexist in the same space. Right. And yet that's what Jesus is. And and sometimes when I think about violence and peace, it sort of occupies the same space where it says, look, the the, the difficulty is that is that a life of faith is found in the middle. Yeah. And if you find yourself too far on one extreme, you risk losing aspects of the kingdom that live on the other side. And so we're constantly in this push-pull tension. Yeah. And sometimes I find myself, if I'm not experiencing tension, 
that is often an indication to me that I need to sort of have I oversimplified what is actually a very, very complex call to walk out my faith in in the current. And, um, you know, when I think about when I think about the verse that talks about broad is the road that leads to destruction, you know, and and narrow is I what I often think is that the narrow road is threading the middle of these these paradoxes that we are called to inhabit as people of faith. And that if you find, I I mean, I used to say this when I was on staff, like extremes are easy. Like it's super easy to be super legalistic or to like have there be zero rules. (laughs) What's really hard is to thread your way between healthy boundaries and, and liberty, you know? And so as we were talking about that, I was reminded of that concept. And I often sort of sit there and say, I should be uncomfortable and I shouldn't be able to figure out how these two things exist, you know, at the same time, theoretically. But in a situation, the, God's will is that I find where his, where his sort of middle line is. Yeah. And for those who have grown up very black and white, that's a hard thing oh, to wrap very your head hard. around. I still, I still struggle with it. And, and I think there's, and I think paradox is the right word because it, it is a both and, and, and it's not like just a 50, 50, it's a yeah. hundred and a hundred yes. on both yes. sides. Yes. And that's different than a contradiction, mm-hmm. which is Jesus is the son of God and he is not the son of God. Right. That's a contradiction. Right. But a paradox, the, the, holding those two truths intention make uh and if i could say it makes the truth more robust and full mm-hmm. versus a, a very two-dimensional understanding of truth yeah yeah and again it's not easy it's yeah. every situation means that you're sort of navigating and but that's also part of what we're called to do we're called to yeah. be meditating on god's word we're called to be sort of um you know asking god to lead us and guide us and all these things so uh, again it's not easy but it it does sort of make sense when you think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to Balaam's donkey um, or the ass that talked. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> there are so many horrible jokes I know. that could oh, that gosh. could come out of that. But we're just going to let uh, that one go. Well, so the question is this, right? Uh, uh, God says, hey, you know, uh, go with these people. And, and then that night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angels of the Lord stood to, in the road to oppose him. And this is where, you know, the donkey stops, and Balaam doesn't realize it. And right, the donkey can see the angel, even mm-hmm. though Balaam can't, and, like, goes off the side of the road. And so it's kind of like, well, what's up with that? God says go, and then he gets angry with them. So this is, again, one of those, like, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of, like, this is where translation comes in, right? In the New International Version, it says, that night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you. Okay. And uh, again, this is where tra- translations are imperfect. And when you look into this, uh, I'm now reading the I- English Standard Version, verses 21, uh, uh, 22. Uh, what is that, right? Where, where is it? Uh-oh. Um, and here it says, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. And so there's a condition like, hey, if these men call you, go. And, and basically, uh, um, he doesn't. He just goes because he's so greedy for money. Mm. He doesn't, he doesn't 
uh, follow that condition. It's kind of like the story of King Saul. Like, hey, make the sacrifice, but yeah. only went, you know, and yeah. there's conditions. It's to like what- the way that you yes. obey is as important. I mean, it is as as the act itself. It is. Yeah. Right? And, and so, I mean, really, uh, that's a real simple answer to kind of that question. Mm. And, and this is where, again, the, the issue of translation and, and whatever. And people might ask, is there a translation that you recommend? No. I mean, you know, the, the really great thing, I mean, if you read the Bible throughout, through a year or it takes you five years, I mean, I think just reading different versions yeah. is really helpful mm-hmm. just because no English translation is going to be perfect. Yeah, it's true. I mean, this story of Balaam also sort of goes back to what we were just talking about, which is that there's nuance there. Yeah. You know, so if you look at it black and white, you'd be like, well, go, don't go. That's sort of the black and white answer. But, but, the will of God is kind of like the way that you go, yeah. uh, which is way harder. It uh, it's, is. it's not just about checking the box. Right. It's about checking your own heart. Uh, you like how I did that? Boom! <laughs> um, right, because the Pharisees com- uh, obeyed the commands yes. on the outside, yes. but they did it on the inside. Yeah. And, and who did Jesus rebuke more than anybody else? Yep. It, it was the, the religious leaders. Who were technically doing everything yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so that makes our lives more difficult. Yeah. Well, that that was the lost files. I'm sure I have one or two that I still ha- I've still lost, but uh, that's it. We got to move on to season five. Look forward to out of the ashes after Easter. Join us where we ha- share stories of people whose lives have come out of the ashes. Yeah.